You're listening to the Trailblazers Podcast, episode 80, with Alfred Edmond Jr. You're listening to the Trailblazers Podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful Black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart. Hello and welcome to the Trailblazers Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Hart. I'm feeling so blessed today, Blazer Nation. We are talking with Alfred Edmond Jr. Alfred is Senior Vice President and Executive Editor-at-Large of Black Enterprise, and he's responsible for providing brand, marketing, and content leadership as a member of BE's Senior Management Team. Now, in today's conversation, Alfred and I spoke about his 30 years at Black Enterprise and how they have managed to cope with the transitions from print to digital and remaining relevant today with events and so much more. And guys, I'm a proud member of the 2016 class of Black Enterprise 100 Modern Men of Distinction. And Alfred and I spoke about the roots of this initiative and the next steps in the progression of this program with the upcoming inaugural Black Men Excel Summit that's happening this coming Labor Day weekend. You don't want to miss out on what we spoke about related to that, right? We also discussed his thoughts on relationships. We talked about fashion and fitness and so much more. It's a great conversation you don't want to miss out on. So go ahead, click the share icon right now in your podcast app or whatever player you're listening to this on. I want you to share this out on Facebook, on Twitter, on whatever your favorite social platform is. Someone you know needs to hear this message today. So help us get this out right now. And that said, let's go ahead and dive into this week's conversation with the one and only Alfred Edmond Jr. Enjoy. Alfred, welcome and thank you for being our featured trailblazer today. Listen, man, we've been trying to make this happen for a long time, so we're going to make this worth the wait. And let me say right up front, props to you as a member of the 2016 class of the BE Modern Men of Distinction. Thank you so much. It is a true honor, and I try every day to make sure I live up to what that honor requires of me and ensure I'm supporting that mission and that initiative. So I love to start off all our talks, really, from a place of gratitude. And I wanted to ask right up front, what has kept you grounded and grateful through all these successes and wins that you've had? For me, it's I value and remember who I am before all that success. I come from a family, both sides of my family, where we really believe in some key values, authenticity, a real serious work ethic. We like to work. We trust work, love and respect ourselves, but we don't elevate ourselves above others. We believe everyone is deserving of dignity and respect in my family. So it never crosses my mind to, you know, kind of see myself the way others, you know, rightfully and gratefully see me. I've also never, ever confused that if you knew my full story, the only way to explain it is God and divine intervention. It's not me. I mean, I was created with tools and the talents to fulfill my purpose for my life. And I had to use those tools and develop those tools. But just as an example, I did not study journalism at all in college. Really? Yeah, I built a very successful career as an award-winning business journalist and editor. Wow. My degree is actually in art. I'm a trained um, studio artist. Well, that explains a lot because you have such a love for fashion. 
Yes, yes, absolutely. And in fact, my original career intention before I got hired by Black Enterprise more than 30 years ago was to end up at either GQ or Esquire. That was my goal. The magazine I worked at before Black Enterprise was a black men's fashion magazine called Modern Black Men. And to see the kind of the irony of the full circle of coming back to be modern man now 31 years later. But I worked at a men's fashion magazine called MBM, Modern Black Man magazine. And my goal was to kind of build that area into the men's lifestyle, fashion, health type of space. Because, you know, I'm passionate about health and fitness as well. And then transition to a GQ or Esquire type of future. But, you know, Black Enterprise happened and I couldn't have planned it better. So, you know, to answer your overall question, if I had planned it, if my plans had turned out the way I wanted to, I wouldn't have done nearly as well. (laughs) You know, so I'm always mindful that I did my part if you will, by trying to make the most of what God gave me and not to squander opportunities and take things for granted. But, you know, I'm never confused that this wasn't just me. And therefore, it's very easy to stay grounded. It's very easy to be respectful and to honor other people and to not, I don't see myself as inferior to anyone, but I certainly don't see myself as superior to anyone. We're all gifted. We all have a purpose. We all have value. And I never forget that. Give thanks for that. So I don't want this to be missed, right? You just mentioned that you've celebrated 30 years with Black Enterprise, and I have to give you props on that, man. It's become the norm today for folks to shift careers every three to five years. And I didn't plan it that way. As you said, my 30th anniversary was March 4th, 2017. My first day on the job was March 4th, 1987. As I said, I was not a business journalist when I came to be. I was just a good writer and a good journalist, but I didn't, I wasn't really steeped in business. My minor in college was an economics degree, which shows how God will set you up and you think you're not going to use it. And it turned out to be a perfect minor, but I didn't know I was going to use it for anything. And... When I came to BE, I honestly felt like, just what you said, I'd do maybe three, four, maybe five years, get some you know good experience under my belt, and then transition to my next job. And it just seemed like every two to three years, I got another opportunity to grow, and I, and I learned more, and I became better. And Black Enterprise was and is a great place to be a young professional. So I, I was 27 when I came there, and I got named senior editor like six months after I got there. Wow. A few years later, I was running the magazine. You know, Earl Graves, our visionary founder, believed in finding the smartest young people he could find, mm. putting us in charge and getting out of our way. But literally, I tell people, I, didn't, I haven't worked at Black Enterprise for 30 years. I worked at, at Black Enterprise for one year, 30 times. <laughs> because at the end of every year, and I still do it to this day, I make a conscious decision about what my next year is going to be like. I don't want to live on autopilot. Mm-hmm. So usually between January, which is the new year, and my birthday in March, I take that two and a half, three months to really commit to what I want to do in the year, as opposed to just kind of staying. So every, you know, every year at Black Enterprise in January, I made a conscious decision to stay. Not I didn't just stay just because I knew I could stay. I really tried to be very purposeful with what I wanted to do in my life. And I did that in the years before with, with Black Enterprise, the jobs I had. Before I came to BE, that was my approach since I got out of college. You know, I love that because there's so many people kind of taking up space in in companies, you know, that they aren't quite sure what they want to do next, but they're not really living out, you know, a purpose and a passion anymore in their roles. And I love that, you know, you, you take two steps back and, and make sure your heart is still in that and that you want to continue to pour out in others 
I'm sure that mission of Mr. Graves still lives on in continuing to utilize the strengths and the talents and the wisdom of your younger workforce. And I'm sure you are a big resource for them right now with that mindset. You know, I've, I've been personally reading Black Enterprise now pretty much since I migrated here in 93 from Jamaica. And back then, you know, print was everything. And now you've had to evolve to communicate with your base and compete in a digital first world. What's been your biggest challenge as a leader at Black Enterprise as it relates to digital? Well, for me, the biggest challenge, let me back up a little. Since I'm not a traditionally trained journalist per se, like I didn't go to get an undergraduate degree in journalism and media, I didn't go to J school. All of my approach to media has always been a, and my boss, Butch Graves, Earl Graves Jr., who's the son of the founder, Mm -hmm. he labeled this with me one time about 10 years ago, and it stuck in my head. I'm media agnostic. Uh I'm not biased toward print. I'm not biased away from digital. I'm not biased. I can do digital. I can do print. I was one of the first adoptees of social media at BE. I could do radio. My thing is whatever method I need to use to get the word out, I want to master it. I'm like a mixed martial artist. Uh I can practice all of it. And I've always had that approach because I was not, you know, I never bought into the kind of hierarchy of, you know, print is this and television is that. And, you know, I never bought into that or magazines is this. As a result, through no planning of my own, as the industry started to change, I was able to, in some ways, anticipate by when I was editor in chief of the magazine, I aggressively pursued and got involved with social media, even though I didn't know what it was going to mean for the industry all those years later. I mean, I'm talking about, I was back with blackplanet.com. You got most people that's like, you got to go back a ways. Remember the chat rooms of blackplanet.com. We weren't even calling it social media then. Right. It was, you know, it was just chat rooms and, you know, it was pre Facebook, yeah. pre MySpace, pre Twitter, yeah. all, you know, but I was into that stuff because my thing is anything that allows me to communicate, connect, empower, inform, agitate other people. I want to master that tool. So as a result, as the industry started changing, as digital became the driver of media, you know, I didn't know it was going to turn out that way, but I was kind of perfectly positioned at the time as the editor-in-chief of the magazine and then the first editor-in-chief of BlackEnterprise.com to help the company transition. And right now, we're not, while the magazine is the crown jewel, I mean, there would be no Black Enterprise without Black Enterprise magazine. It's not the driver of the company anymore. It's like the loss leader. You got to have it. But our company is really in events and digital business. Yes. And then, of course, we use social and the magazine and our two TV shows to amplify our live events and our digital and social offerings. And so we're under the leadership of, again, our current CEO, Butch Graves, who kind of had an instinct early on that we needed to diversify beyond the magazine, you know, 10, 15 years ago. I tell people all the time, if we didn't have our events, if we didn't get serious about digital early on, if we didn't get serious about social, if all we had was the magazine, we'd be out of business. Yeah. So that's it. What advice would you give to young aspiring editors and journalists that are listening that, you know, are wanting to still step into this space? But I'm big into mentorship. If you ever see the hashtag, my mentees Absolutely, are better yeah. than yours, yes, then you know that's one of my it. people <laughs> on social media. So one of the things I love about them, but one of the things I tell them all the time is don't get caught up in what you know, because technology is evolving and new development is evolving so fast that what you master today will be irrelevant two years from now. And so the world belongs to people who are willing to learn, master, 
and release so they can learn something else and master that and release. And if you get caught up saying, I'm this, my expertise is here and this is what I'm going to hold on to, it'll work for you in the short run. In the long run, as soon as you stop learning or as soon as you stop being willing to learn, as soon as you get emotionally attached to your expertise, you become obsolete. And so I'm one of those people that just wants to learn different things. I don't know if it's ever going to be useful. One of the things my mother told me when I was a kid, like when I was like nine, and I don't know what she meant when she said it, but it stuck with me. She said, everything you allow yourself to learn, you will use it before you die. Wow. And when I was a kid, I took that to mean, man, if I just learn everything, I can live forever. <laughs> I don't know if that's true <laughs> or not, but it birthed in me a real thirst for knowing for the sake of knowing. I didn't know that I was ever going to use social media for anything but just having fun and socializing. But now, if you are a media person or you have a media platform and you don't have an extension of your brand on social media, you can't connect with people on social media, you don't exist. You know, I tell people the, the sign of a business going down is not bankruptcy, it's irrelevancy. You can exist forever as a business and be irrelevant. And so I pride myself and the people that I, I mentor on be open to learning everything. There's no such thing as useless information. There's no such thing as a useless experience because, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've been in a room over the years at VE and at other places where a question came up and I was the only person that had the answer, not because it was my expertise, but because I was so open to learning so many different trivial, what seemed like trivial things right. that I just, I just know stuff. I don't even know where I picked it up. I don't know where I knew it, where I got it from. And I never thought I'd need to use it. But you never know what tool you're going to have to pull out of the toolbox, especially the way things move so fast now. You never know what you're going to need to know to sometimes even survive. Yes. So I try to stay away from people who get so kind of stuck on what they know that they can't learn anything else. Mm -hmm. They don't want to challenge what they already know. They don't want to question what they already know. And I believe in God didn't bless us with these minds so that we can keep them closed. And we shouldn't be threatened by ideas that don't happen to agree with ours. On Twitter in particular, I purposely follow people who think differently than I do. Right. <laughs> Not because I'm going to necessarily agree with them, no, but, but I want to understand how they think. Yes. And sometimes they're right. You got to be open. If you really believe in what you believe, you shouldn't be threatened by that. That's so true. Embrace change. Embrace all different Guess what? wisdom. <laughs> change is happening whether you embrace it or not. It's a, it doesn't need your permission. It doesn't need your approval. So the best thing to do is to embrace it. I'm on the board of the Cole Center for Leadership Ethics at Duke University, and they asked me about what I thought the model for leadership was in the now the 21st century. And remember, it used to be the captain of industry that was the model of the 20th century. Mm -hmm. You had somebody captaining the ship. They had a crew, and your job was to avoid change, to manage change, to cope with change, to avoid the storms, to steer the ship, to get it safely to port. That's totally obsolete. So what I told them is that we need a bunch of people who, who consider themselves surfers. Surfers don't want to avoid change. They want to ride the big waves. The big waves turn into Facebook. The big waves turn into Amazon. The big waves turn into lots and lots of money. Yeah, it's dangerous. It's, but they don't think of it as dangerous. They think of it as thrilling and exploratory and who knows where it's going to end up. And those are the types of people that are thriving in today's economy. Because the only safe place for a ship is in a port. And sometimes in a storm, that's not even a safe place. So I don't believe in steering. I don't believe in being reckless and just you know throwing safety to the, you know, caution to the wind. But I do believe that opportunity and danger, as the old Chinese proverb says, are, you know, two sides of the same coin. And change is going to happen whether you agree with it, whether you approve of it, whether you want it. 
it's happening. So the question becomes, are you going to face it and try to ride that wave? Or are you going to just cower on the beach and hope it doesn't crash on top of you? You know, I'm like, if I'm going to drown, I'm going to be drowning because I'm out there trying to surf it. <laughs> and I'm going to be in my basement when the tsunami hits and I just get drowned in my basement. Yes. You know, you got to live, man. You got to live. Listen, I appreciate that. I'm so honored. Again, you know, coming back to modern, you know, the modern man distinction. I'd love for you to maybe, because, you know, we talked about it at the top of the call, but I'd love for you to share with the community why Black Enterprise created the BE Modern Man. Well, first, let me talk about the legacy of Black Enterprise. Absolutely. For now, 47 years and counting, probably the only, not probably, definitely, the only national media outlet, Black, White, or Other, where a Black person and a Black man in particular could get on the cover without being a rapper, an athlete, an actor, or a singer, or President Obama, is Black Enterprise. Wow. Think about it. We don't have a Black men's magazine, per se. We don't have Essence. Every other magazine, every other mainstream media outlet is only interested in black men when we're performing in the, on a field in a sport, performing on stage, singing, rapping, or we're victims of crime or we're perpetrators of crime. That is so true. So think about 40 years you've been reading Black Enterprise. Black men have appeared on the cover of Black Enterprise, but you don't see those black men on any other national publication unless they're entertainers or athletes. Or President Obama, which he's the president, of course. So that's always been one of the the reasons I'm proud I'm at Black Enterprise, because if my goal was to work at a GQ magazine for black men, Black Enterprise, ironically, as a business magazine, is the closest we had. So against that backdrop, here's a real story about how B.E. Modern Man came about. So I have a love-hate relationship with GQ. As you know, I'm into health, I'm into fashion, I'm into style. And ever since college, this would be the cycle. I had subscribed to GQ because I'm interested in all the things that GQ is interested in. And usually in six to nine months, I get angry and I cancel my subscription. Why? Because (laughs) never see any brothers in there Uh unless we're rappers or it's the NBA special issue or it's the music issue, you know, and I'm like, no, we travel, we invent things. We're interesting people. We have executives and corporations pioneering new technology. But why do those guys almost never end up in the GQs of the world. Mm-hmm. So I would go back and forth. I would subscribe to GQ, usually because they put a brother on the cover, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to pick this up. Then I'll subscribe because I'm into fashion and style, and then I get mad. So I went through this cycle again in 2014, 2015, which, as you know, was the first year of yes. the Be Modern Man campaign. So what happened was I had just canceled my subscription to GQ again after seven issues. I did some social media posts you might be able to find on Instagram. I had seven issues in a row. In those issues, there were almost no black men, and the few that were there, again, were rappers and athletes. Then they had an issue that did have a lot of black men because it was the NBA special. Then another issue with no black men in it. And I say black men, but no Asian men, no Latino men, no men of color. And then another issue had a lot of black men in it, but because it was the music issue. So I had Pharrell on the cover. And then my other thing is that their definition of beauty, which you already know is a major issue in this country for women, it's very narrow, mm-hmm. you know, almost always white and blonde. And if it's a woman of color, whether it's Latino or black, you know, it's going to be a certain type. It's going to be a model chick, slender, 110 pounds. Not that there's anything wrong with being 110 pounds, but their definition of what a beautiful woman is, is so narrow. And, and so I would complain that you never see sisters in GQ. You never see Latino women. And if they are there, they look like just kind of tan white women. You know what I mean? They're black, mm-hmm. technically, but they don't go but so ethnic. 
So that was building up in me. And then finally, the issue that broke this camel's back is that there was an issue that had a feature that was full of curvy brown and black women. They did a whole feature story. Guess what the story was about? I don't remember this. Oh, my God. They had a feature on the strip joint Magic City in Atlanta. Stop. <laughs> and and this, the only reason that they had the strippers in the pictures, the story was about the club itself. But did you see pictures of the owners and the managers? No. They they used that as an opportunity to show black and brown women on stripper poles. Oh, my gosh. And that issue had more black women and more diverse representation of black women than the probably the previous 25 issues combined. And that was when I was just mad. And I canceled my subscription. And I came into a meeting at the staff meeting. At that time, I was, I think I was still, I, I might have been still chief content officer at the time. And I'm normally a very jovial, you know, fun, happy guy. Mad. I was mad. And people was looking at me like, what's wrong with Alfred? And so finally, I, they asked me, and I was like, you got me so pissed off. I canceled my subscription today. And I, you know, told the story I just told you. And we had a young lady who worked at BE at the time on the digital team. Her name is Kelly Pierre-Louis, who basically says, screw GQ. And she came up with this platform where we were going to celebrate the brothers that should be in the GQs, and not just GQ, should be, you know, celebrated just like other men are celebrated without having to dribble a basketball or fit rhymes. But we're just going to do it ourselves. And she created it, and it grew to BE Modern Man. And, And that was our first year doing it. And the goal, as you know, the tagline for the program is extraordinary is our normal. Mm-hmm. The person you are, the amazing things you do with your show, the other things you do as a husband and a father, the things you do, that's you every day. Yes. And guess what? 80 to 90 percent of black men, that's who we are every day. And we have a media culture and a popular culture that focuses on the, let's call it 20 percent of us who are really in trouble. And we are. And we got to do something about that, mm-hmm. you know. But one of the ways to help the 20% do better is to showcase the 80% of us who represent what a normal black man is. Yeah. But we've got it twisted. The word society thinks a typical black man has spent time in jail, <laughs> has been in a gang, has either shot, been shot or shot somebody, has, you know, doesn't take care of his children. And yes, brothers like that exist. I was raised, I mean, I have a father who wasn't there around when I was growing up. So it doesn't, we're not trying to pretend that those issues don't exist. Mm-hmm. That's not representative of the typical black man's existence. Yes. You know, most of us have never seen the inside of a jail. Most of us have never held a gun before. Most of us have never been in a gang. But if you looked at the way we're portrayed in popular culture, we're either athletes, entertainers, victims, or perpetrators. If you don't fall into one of those four categories, we're invisible. So BE Modern Man is saying, no, we're going to show you every week, every day, mm-hmm. 365 days a year, the men that you know, I know, we go to work with them. We have them in our families. We went to college with them. We grew up in those neighborhoods. We know they exist in our own circles. Yes. But when we turn on major mainstream media, we don't see them. We don't see ourselves. When I turn on the TV, I don't see me. I don't see you. Let me tell you, Alfred, I have goosebumps right now because this is exactly why I created this platform. Right. Oh, I know. It is exactly why, you know, I looked at my then five-year-old daughter and thought to myself, well, the only two channels that I saw, or three channels that I saw presenting her role models down the road was the celebrity, the athlete, or the musician. Yes, yes. I live in this progressive neighborhood in Maryland, and I'm looking around even at my daycare, at the other parents there. These are amazing black couples 
right? Yes. In our community. I'm looking at other college friends of mine who are now, you know, 20, 25 years into their career and excelling at the highest level. And I'm like, these are the everyday people who she's more likely to become, to follow in their footsteps in terms of- But Miriam will convince her that those people are exceptions to the rule. Ah. That's not what you're really going to find out there. I remember when I was in college, Gil Scott Heron, the late Gil Scott Heron, used to speak on college campuses. And to explain the power of the media, he talked about how, which is one of the reasons I became a media professional when, you know, because of stuff like this. He said, you can witness a car accident with your own eyes, get home, turn on the news, and if the news tells a different story than what you witnessed, you'll be more likely to believe what you saw on the Mm -hmm. news than what you'll see with your own eyes. And that has great implications for your children and my children because, like you said, she sees what the real deal is around her all the time, the kinds of men and women that, that she's around. Mm-hmm. But if she's also consuming a media that says, yeah, there may be one or two of those, but that's not who you typically are, she's going to end up believing what the media says about who she is and what's possible for her more than she believes in her own eyes without an intervention like trailblazers, without an intervention like Black Girls Rock, without an intervention like B.E. Modern Man and Black Enterprise. Mm-hmm. So that's why this media game, man, we got to be in it because we got to counter program against this insidious message that says even when you meet a healthy, successful black man, he's either faking it, imaginary, or he's not a real black man because mm-hmm. he can't, he doesn't fit who we describe as what a black man is. And B.E. Modern Man is a daily answer to that that says, we're going to showcase because we're so common. We're extraordinary, but we're not exceptional. Extraordinary is who we are, mm-hmm. but we're never told that. We're told you're not like the most black men. No, you know, I am like most black men. You know, the dude that's hanging on the corner is not like most black men, but mainstream media has told you that that's the typical black man. And you who has a productive job with a productive podcast, who has, who's there for your wife, who's there for your children. You're those, you're the aliens. Let me tell you, man, that's why I couldn't even get my words straight at the top of this. Cause I'm so passionate about, you know, what modern man is all about. And, you know, this initiative, this movement. And, you know, you guys, as you, you mentioned earlier, you guys are very involved in life events. And I love, love, love that you've now expanded and brought the modern man initiative into the fold of one of your pillar event weekends and are now, you know, putting together this first Black Men Excel Summit that's coming this Labor Day weekend. Talk to the community a little bit about BMX, about, about Black Men Excel. Well, first of all, hashtag BMXCEL, BMXL. Follow on social media, the updates. Go to blackenterprise.com forward slash Black Men X, just the X, no the E, XCEL to see everything that's going on with the summit. But simply put, this is going to be the first and biggest celebration of black men, not for what we do, not because we can play basketball well, with no disrespect to the SBs, not because we're good singers, no disrespect to the Grammys or the, you know, you know, hip hop awards, not because we're great actors, not no disrespect to the Oscars. But because we are black men who deserve to be celebrated, who who deliver excellence and leadership. Mm -hmm. So we already have a very successful event, the Women of Power Summit. And I'm one of the men who's privileged to go to the Women of Power Summit most years as a senior executive of Black Enterprise. And every year, the men who are at Women of Power are like, oh, my God, we need something like this so badly. Those women leave there ready to take over the world, man. They feed each other. They nurture each other. They celebrate each other. 
And they do a thing called the Legacy Awards on the first night. And they've honored everybody from Ruby D, the late Ruby D, the late Dorothy Height. You know, this year we did Felicia Rashad, wow. Xerox CEO Ursula Burns. I mean, what they do is they celebrate the best black women have to offer. And then they spend the rest of the conference nurturing and feeding and creating strategies and boosting each other up. And when they leave, the women of power is not just the name of a, of a conference. They are women of power. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get in their way when they leave that <laughs> conference. You know, they're like, no, watch, watch get us, watch way. what we do. That's right. And it builds on itself. I mean, they just had the 12th one. Um, my colleague, Caroline oh. Clark, um, who's the editorial director of the Women of Power Summit and also hosts of Women of Power TV. I mean, they have, and there are the founders, um, late wife, Barbara Gray's, was like the guiding spirit of building that event to what it is today. Wow. So we always had our golf and tennis challenge, Labor Day, you know, the week before Labor Day. Right. Big event, very successful, very fun, golf, partying, live music, live comedy, and just a fun time. And our CEO, Butch Graves, was like, we need to create an event like this for men with everything that black men are going through, you know, everything from the Black Lives Matter movement to just everything that we're facing, we need something that, that reminds us of who we are. Mm-hmm. And the Black Men Excel Summit was basically birthed from that. So it's not a conference because we didn't want it to be, you know, you know, us brothers, we want to have fun. Yes. I mean, we want to uplift each other, but we want to have fun. Unlike the Women of Power Summit where men are welcome, but it's really, we don't market it to men. Mm-hmm. We want the sisters at Black Men Excel. So we're like, <laughs> come uplift us, celebrate us, join with us, party with us. So we're starting out with the Excel Awards. And just to give you an idea of the level of men we're honoring at the Excel Awards, Lonnie Bunch, who's the founding director of the National Smithsonian African-American Museum History and Culture Museum, Representative John Lewis, the civil rights icon and legend who's still kicking butt on Capitol Hill. I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> John Rogers, CEO of Ariel Capital Management, Ariel Investments is one of our Excel Award honorees. Robert Townsend, obviously legendary, iconic filmmaker, actor, comedian. And we may we have one more surprise. I can't announce it because we're trying to wait for it to come through. But there'll be at least one more honoree. So we're starting out with that. We want to start out like at 150, you know, just. And then powerful conversations. We're going to have a one-on-one with Robert Townsend. we got a session on building, being a mogul and building your empire. A session on climbing the corporate ladder and killing in corporate America, all against a backdrop of live music, live comedy, golf, mm. tennis. I mean, the golf and tennis challenge is already the way to close out the summer anyway. Right. So our thing was let's not only just close out the summer, but let's have a let's really uplift black men and remind us of who we are. We excel. That's what we do. We do it no matter what's thrown at us. We've excelled against the odds and over all kinds of obstacles for generation after generation after generation, from Frederick Douglass to Paul Robeson to W.E.B. Du Bois to Martin Luther King to Malcolm X. That's what we do. Mm. And this event is to really say, let's come together with our sisters, with our girlfriends, with our daughters, and let's close out the summer reminding ourselves of that. So, I mean... You could tell we're just so excited and we just want people (laughs) to come out. Our goal is to get at least 800 people to come down to PGA National Resort and Spa, Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, and come to have a good time. And let's us brothers leave black men excel the way sisters leave women of power, ready to go out and say, you know what? We got this. 
We've always had this. Yeah. That's why we're still here. That's why you're doing the Trailblazers. You're not running out of people to talk about on your show. No, <laughs> not at all. You're, because that's the that's who we are. We excel. That's what we do. And we need to remind ourselves that. And for the brothers who are struggling, they need to look up and see. You know, I was telling somebody, our Excel Award honorees are who are us BE Modern Men strive to be. Mm-hmm. We got to uplift these men so that we can remember, like you said at the, at the top of the show, you didn't take a BE Modern Man in your designation as a man of distinction in that program as a time to chill. No. You took that as a time to step it up. I had to step up to that, man. I got to step up to that. And what we want to do is challenge each other, encourage each other to step it up. When things get tough, we excel. When there are obstacles against us, we excel. That's how we got this far. Our sisters, our mothers, our aunts, our wives, our daughters, they want us, they want us to win. That's why we want sisters to be there. In fact, we got D. Marshall, you know, the coach, trainer, speaker. She's doing a session called, I'm doing it with her, called Why We Love Black Men. Mm-hmm. So the goal is to come together, you know, and say, listen, let's squash all this about black men are endangered species. We're right here. We're just invisible. And not for nothing. But we're gonna- you know, this is the networking too. Right, Alfred, that came off of last year, you know, I was at both the New York and the DC. Oh, yeah. And let me tell you, man, there are so much connections I've created from that point to now. There are brothers in my WhatsApp from, you know, that connection point. So I can only imagine what's going to come off of the Excel Summit, right? That's why Black Enterprise really has always been part of the legacy of Black Enterprise. We connect each other. Yeah. You know, as opposed to us laboring by ourselves in our state or in our city and in our industry, it helps to know you got a you got a brother everywhere you go mm-hmm. who is pushing in his space the way you're pushing in yours, and you can feed. I mean, the golf and tennis challenge even before we added the Black Men Excel Summit element, that's what it was known for. I mean, the best and the brightest come together in a relaxed environment. There's no velvet ropes. There's no VIP sections. Everybody who comes is a VIP. And if I could tell you the business deals that come out of this event, if I could tell you the job opportunities, if I could tell you about the partnerships, and I don't even want to get you started on the people who met and got married. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So this, the whole networking part of it, that's the goal was to create a space where we could come together and enrich and empower each other. And if we do our, the test of a successful black enterprise event is not what happens at the event, it's what happens in the months between that event and the following year. Right. So you're right. What, what BB Modern Man has already started, we, our goal is to put that on steroids mm-hmm. by the time the Excel Summit happens. And we're going to be like, no, we're getting together next year, brothers. Meet me next year. We're going we're gonna to build on this some more. Let's stay in touch. And we're going to be doing more BE Modern Man events between the Black Men Excel Summits in different cities. As you mentioned, we did the BE Modern Man tour in Atlanta, D.C., and New York last year. So, no, this is the beginning of a real movement to raise up and celebrate what we do every day. This is what we do every day. It's not special. It's special. It's only special because nobody's paying attention to it. Yes. So and we're going to fix that. Remind everyone how they can get registered for this. And I know you have a special offer. Yeah. Well, first you want to go to blackenterprise.com forward slash black men X C E L. So Excel without the E black men Excel. And you'll see all the speakers that have signed on the date. The, the agenda, the countdown, everything that's going to be happening. I mean, you can register at the site. And what I have is a special discount code for your audience and your network. B-E-F-F-M-K. Black Enterprise, Frank, Frank, Mark Kennedy. 
and use that code when you register. It's $100 off of registration. And we're talking about four days of nothing but fun and great weather, a great world-class resort. And yeah, man, we want the brothers to come together. Sisters, it's called the Black Men Excel Summit, but we want you there. We, how can we celebrate without our biggest choosers? You want us to win almost more than we want to win. So we, we want to make it clear. Come on down with us. You know, Come with your girlfriends. Come with your husband. Bring your son. <laughs> Bring your brother, bring your, you know, male best friend who maybe is not your man, he's just your friend. You know, come celebrate with us and let's make this the one time in the year when we're uplifting brothers and celebrating us again, the best of who we are. So, and then follow the hashtag BMXCEL. We're still adding elements to the event. We're still adding speakers. We're still adding celebrities and performers. Just to let you know, entertainment is already signed on. Jonathan Slocum, the comedian, Chris Spencer, producer, writer, comedian. We have a chef's challenge. So chef Ron Duprat is going to be part of that. DJ Nasty is going to be rocking, you know, the ones and twos, if you will, yes. every night, man. And that's just, again, we're still adding stuff because now what's happening is people are coming to us saying, listen, we want to be involved in this. Well, what can we do? Some of the speakers that are signed on, everybody from Ed Gordon, the Emmy Award winning broadcaster, to Keith Klingscales the founder of Shadow League and the former CEO of Revolt, Orlando Ashford, president of Holland American Line. When you go to the, you know, oh, Lamar Rucker's coming down. Wow. He, he's going to be doing, wow. yeah, I mean, wow. he, he called, he's like, man, <laughs> I want to do that. And there's more to come. Like I said, every time we think we're done, somebody raises their hand and says, listen, man, what can I do to be involved? What can I do to be involved? We got to do this. Because the brothers know we need this. Yes. And so, yeah, man, Black Men Excel at blackenterprise.com. And hashtag BMXCEL and discount code BEFFMK for $100 off your registration. You want to get in there, I'm telling you. I'm just saying. Yes, absolutely. Don't say next year. (laughs) Say this year. (laughs) Say this year. That's right. That's right. So thank you so much for sharing information on that. Before I let you go, I still kind of want to talk a bit here. I want to switch gears right now and talk about a role of yours beyond BE. I know that you and your wife, Zara Green, are authors of the book Loving in the Grown Zone, right? And yes. You also recently wrote an ebook <laughs> that's titled Buy Love, Get Trouble, Sell Love, Get Screwed. Tell us a little yes. bit about these books and this platform that you and your wife have been pouring your hearts into. Well, the platform is my wife and I have a business. The business is actually called A to Z Personal Growth Enterprises. Mm-hmm. But what we're best known for under that umbrella is Grown Zone Relationship Education, which is a program we started now. It'll be five years this coming November. And it's really coaching, training, books, other resources around helping people make healthy decisions emotionally, financially, sexually, and physically around their relationship choices. Mm. We don't treat it as a dating and how do I find love thing. We treat it as how do you protect your life? How do you protect your family? How do you protect your future? How do you protect your finances by making healthy choices, ending up in healthy relationships? And so Grown Zone Relationship Education is all, is what that's about. As you said, we have a book that's doing really well that we released called Loving in the Grown Zone. You can go to lovinginthegrownzone.com and order that book. It's available as an ebook, hardcover, softcover. And it really is a no-nonsense guide to making healthy, smart decisions in pursuit of relationships. So you can learn more about that book. You know, we've been on a lot of media outlets talking about that book. 
But the most recent book that you just mentioned is an ebook that again I just dropped literally on July 4th. Wow. It's available for free as an ebook. All you got to do is go to grownzone.com forward slash buy love get trouble. <laughs> and you'll see where you can order the book and we'll send it to you. But it's really, as you said, the subtitle of the book is how the choices you make in pursuit of sex, love, and relationships impact your career, your business, and your financial success. Mm. And that's an element of this whole relationship space that nobody really talks about. But between my 30 years at Black Enterprise, I'm also the personal finance expert for American Urban Radio Networks with my radio feature, Money Matters. And my own personal experiences, I'm twice divorced. And by my own count, and I cover this in the book, I won't say wasted. I'll say it was a pretty high tuition. <laughs> by my own count, $350,000 because of poor relationship choices. Wow. You know, in the book, we go into how those things are measured. Well, I'll give you an example. One failed marriage cycle for the average person will cost both each partner $100,000. Wow. That's the average person. Now, we talk about celebrities, and you look at right. what Mary J. Blige is going through, and you look at some other celebrities going through. Obviously, that can go into the seven, eight figures yeah. over time. But just for the average person. So we don't always even deal with the financial and career and business implications of our relationship decisions until after the fact, mm. when you know after we've suffered. So this book really is targeting high-earning, high-potential entrepreneurs, professionals, executives, athletes, anybody who either is making a lot of money or is on track to do be very successful to say, here's what you need to know to not make dangerous decisions as you pursue what we all pursue. Everybody wants love and wants to be loved. But again, the, what we teach in the grown zone is that we're born to love and we're born to be loved, but we're not born knowing how to do it. And grown zone relationship education is our, we do classes, workshops, seminars, and programs to teach people our decision-making framework to pursue relationships without putting their bodies, their money, their home, and their minds and hearts at risk. Let me ask you, Alfred, what do you see that's missing, right, in relationships between men and women? The biggest thing is we're taught to make relationship decisions based on what we call in the grown zone attractors. Mm. And the big three that we identify about six or seven attractors in our book, Loving in the Grown Zone, and at grownzone.com. But the big three is Money, physical appearance, and sexual attraction. Attractors are there to attract, but they don't sustain relationships. They don't. Attractors are either easily faked or their effects wear off very quickly. In other words, if you're dating a woman because she's your physical ideal when you meet her, you're telling her she can never change. That means if she gets pregnant, if she puts on weight, you want her to look at, she's not going to look at 57 the way she looked at 37, no matter what she does. Right. So if you build your relationship on that attractor, that relationship is going to get threatened. So it's natural for that to be a draw. But if that's what's sustaining the relationship, it's a problem. Well, that's what, why relationships that look like they're perfect crumble. Right. But we're taught, society teaches us, even religious institutions teach us, our families teach us, television and movies, music teaches us, mm -hmm. that if he or she looks a certain way, if she, he or she... If the lightning bolts happen, if there's flashes of chemistry, and what we do is we build our mansions on these very shaky foundations. Mm -hmm. What we do in the grown zone is we identify the six sustainers 
that must be present in a relationship for that relationship to be able to sustain itself over time and against adversity. I don't know all of them, but and I don't even know if these two are in yours, but I know communication and commitment, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> communication and commitment are overrated. No, man. I so what? No, let, let me let me see what I'm saying. You need communication and commitment, absolutely. But that, but those aren't sustaining characteristics because people could be communicating perfectly effectively but mistreating each other. Mm. So I'll give you three examples of sustainer characteristics that are proven to sustain relationships, Please even do. when there's challenges. Uh, fidelity. Uh huh. Yes. A commitment to fidelity. Yes. Meaning you're, if you're a person of fidelity, you're a person of fidelity when you're single yes. and when you're in a relationship. Uh, compassion. People who are compassionate are able to sustain healthy relationships. Yes. Loyalty. Yes. Trustworthiness. Meaning if you tell your wife your deepest, darkest secrets, you can trust that she'll never use it against you. Mm-hmm. So when we identify three other three other ones, I won't go into them here, but if you read Loving in the Grown yeah, Zone, so you go to growzone.com. Yeah. So we identify there's six sustainer characteristics that must be present in order for a relationship to be defined as healthy. And by the way, this doesn't just apply to romantic relationships. It applies to job relationships. It applies to family relationships, yeah. if business partnerships, parenting relationships. If those sustainer characteristics do not exist, the relationship will be by definition unhealthy. Mm. But we have been taught, particularly in our love lives, to marry people based on, I mean, people will meet somebody at the club or at church or anywhere. And if the looks are there, the chemistry is there and they look like they're making the kind of money and there's other attractors of our status, shared religious belief. If they look like they got three out of four, whatever you consider to be the most important attractors, some people will get married in months. Mm-hmm. Some people will be in the bed with them in hours, mm-hmm. but, but not because we're, and we don't believe in shaming people in the grown zone. You're being taught that that's the way you make your decision. You're being taught if the sparks are there, go for it, you know? And so our company focuses on undoing the belief systems that lead to those choices and the replacing them with a healthy set of beliefs so that you can pursue what you naturally want, which is loving, nurturing, healthy relationships. But do it without putting yourself, your children, if you already have children, mm-hmm. your career, your business, your finances at unnecessary risk. So our thing is, yeah, you have a Yolanda to fix your life after the disaster. Right. The grown zone is to say, let me teach you how to do this so you don't have the disaster. In other words, you need a driver's education to learn how to drive safely. Grown zone is lover's education. To learn how to do relationships safely. Nice. Um, and loving in your own zone is like your driver's manual for relationships. Wow. That's... Man, we could do another show on this <laughs> We probably you know, will. <laughs> you know, in fact, my, I was just on MSNBC's Your Business. I'm a regular expert for their show. Yes. And we did a whole segment on the risk that business owners take when they are reckless in their decision-making in pursuit of romantic relationships. Everything from embezzlement mm. to intimate partner violence that they have to hide to protect their business reputation. I mean, if you knew some of the stuff that our clients go through, and I'll just give you one example, I won't name names, but one of our clients is a very successful personal financial advisor who had married a guy too quickly for the wrong reasons and then had to hide the fact that she was a victim of intimate partner violence because she couldn't allow to get out because she couldn't let her professional reputation be damaged. Mm-hmm. And she did get out of it, but then we worked with her to help her kind of you know, come up with a decision-making framework so she wouldn't repeat the same choices. Mm -hmm. 
Because without an intervention, we just do what we know to do. We don't mean to do it. We just do the same things because we're operating from the same framework. So Grown Zone helps people to come up with a new framework so they can get better outcomes. Alfred, beyond any of your books, are there other good reads that you maybe have gotten into this year that you find inspiring? Well, anybody who follows me on social media knows that I read, I'm reading books all the time, like mm-hmm. probably 30, 40 books a year. And the one, and I always post on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook what I'm reading now. The best book I've read this year so far, and maybe, maybe the last two years, and I've read some really great books, Get 10 Ways Not to Commit Suicide. This is a memoir by Daryl McDaniels, better known as DMC or Run DMC. Mm. Especially every brother, everybody should read this book. Every black man should read this book. When they sent it to me, I read it just because I was just interested. You know, you know, Run DMC is legend. Right, man. Yeah, this book, <laughs> this book is the truth. I'm telling you, and he is he is the truth. So again, I can recommend tons of books. I've been, you know, I read a lot of great books. I'm reading. Or Devon Franklin's new book, The Hollywood Commandments, that, that's pretty good. But if I, the best book I've read in the last, I would say two years is this book, 10 Ways Not to Commit Suicide by Daryl McDaniels. Wow. I mean, it is, let me tell you how good it is. Zara only likes to read audiobooks. She's not into reading book books. She'll get the audiobook. I just let her like look at the book. She read it in two sittings. Wow. She couldn't put it down. She was up at night. Like, I can't stop. Wow. Wow. So if I had to recommend a book, man, especially on, on the occasion that's talking about B.E. Modern Man, Black Men Excel, yeah, and Grown Zone, frankly, it connects to all of those things. Mm. This book is the answer. Love that. What's an app or software that's maybe on your phone right now that you can't live without? You know what? The one that I use every single day now, everybody who knows me on social media knows I'm into fitness and bodybuilding. Yes. And so I'm actually training to compete in a competition for my first one in 15 years. I competed as an amateur when I was in my late 30s or early 40s, and I keep saying I'm going to get back to it. So I'm doing a show in September in a natural bodybuilding federation. They're doing a show near my home. I'm competing in the 50 and over class for the first time because I just turned 57 in March. And there's an app from Under Armour called Fitness Pal. Fitness Pal. Wow. And what it allows you to do, and I have the free basic version, the premium version is probably even hotter. When you're training for any type of competition, it's not just the workouts, it's your nutrition. Mm -hmm. And when you do bodybuilding shows, and and my goal is to get my body fat down to somewhere around 8%, down from 15 and a half. Are you showing up 30 and 40 year olds? (laughs) Oh, don't, yeah, don't, don't test me, dude. I'm the man. (laughs) I'm that dude. You know, I love health. I believe health is a form of wealth. Yes. It helps me manage stress. It makes me more productive. It makes me happier. You know, my doctor loves it. My wife loves it. My kids love it. So, you know, I tell people, your body is your wealth, man. Your health is your wealth. But long story short, this app, Fitness Pal, I literally can log in everything I eat and know how many calories I'm taking in, how many carbohydrates I'm taking in, grams of fat, grams of protein, different nutrients. And for me, you're about to compete in the show. I have to really keep track of how much protein I'm taking in, limit the amount of fats, and manage my carbohydrate intake. Mm-hmm. And back in the day when I used to compete, you know, in the late 2000s, I competed like from 1999 into like 2002. You had to like weigh your food on a scale and hope that you got it right. And, and man, this thing's a piece of cake. You just plug that in. They've got all you gotta do. You ate at Chipotle. They know all you gotta do is put down. I had this at Chipotle. And it'll calculate all the calories because now, of course, with the internet and with data mining, 
everything. It's the internet of everything. Yeah. So you put in that you had, you know, any, you can think of anything, anything you, that you can buy, you plug it in where you bought it and what it was. And it'll have the, everything that's on the nutritional label of that product is already programmed. So man, as a fitness enthusiast, as a person trying to train for this competition and, you know, trying to get my body to obey at 57, man, this app is the answer. So I'm just passionate. And again, health, just like relationships, is a financial and business issue as well. One of the ways that we lose wealth in black America is because black men, we keel over in our peak earning years. We're keeling over or, or becoming ill and less productive in our 40s and 50s from preventable illnesses and disease. And we're competing against people who are still being productive into their 70s and 80s. Which is sad because, I mean, even to our kids, you know, we're robbing them of the joy of having us our own. Well, not only robbing them, but let's say we're living, but we're burdening them exactly. with our health expenses. Right. So, so I tell you, you know, people are, why do you work out all the time? Well, not when I like doing it, I enjoy it. But it's an economic issue. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm as productive at 57 as I was at 27. And the way, the way Social Security is looking, the way our economy is looking, I may have to work until I'm 80. But I want to do it and feel good about it. I don't want to feel like I'm, oh my God, I, you know, yeah. you know, the scary thing is not if you die. The scary thing is what if you live and you can't afford it? So I, again, I could do a whole other show on that too. Yeah. I'm passionate about this health and fitness thing, man. We're right at the hour mark. And so unfortunately, cause I could talk to you for another hour, man. <laughs> but before I let you go, yes, sir. I wanted to invite you to impart one action that our aspiring trailblazer should take this week. Tell them Blazer Trail. Beyond registering uh, for the BE Modern Man Summit. <laughs> no, no, I get that. I'm not going to do it. You did a good enough job, you know, showcasing that. My my biggest thing now, and this is tied to Grown Zone and my work with Black Enterprise and everything else, is you got to get serious about knowing and loving yourself. Mm-hmm. You got to put yourself first. I know you've been told that's selfish. I know you've been taught that you're supposed to put everybody else first because that's what no. If you don't nurture yourself, you're not going to be fruitful enough to nurture anybody else. And you got so many men in particular who are running on empty, which is one of the reasons why we do break down health-wise. We do break down psychologically. We do lapse into coping using alcohol and drugs and sex and other things because we think there's somehow something wrong with genuinely loving ourselves. And my work in the grown zone, I use the hashtag, the grown man knows. And by the way, the grown zone is not gender-specific which is one of the things I like about partnering with my wife. It's not men versus women. We all have the same needs. We may express them in different ways. But get serious about loving yourself. Get serious about the relationship you have with yourself. You're supposed to nurture others from the overflow. You're supposed to feed yourself and become so fruitful that there's overflow that you can use to nurture your wife and your employer and your customers and your family and your community. And what we are too often doing is we're giving it all away to other people, then we're empty and then we break down, you know, and it, when you get, you know, the, the book and you go again, go to grownzone.com forward slash buy love, uh, get trouble. I tell a lot of my own personal story that led to me even, you know, end up doing the grown zone because I was one of those people that put everybody else first and, you know, paid a very high price. And my children, you know, they're very forgiving about it, but they paid a high price because I didn't, really make a commitment to be deserving of love, you know, and my, what I might think now, if God thinks I deserve love, who am I to disagree? Mm-hmm. So I don't do guilt. I don't do blame. I don't do shame. I don't do condemnation. 
If I do something wrong, I apologize once and only once. <laughs> I don't punish myself. I don't believe in punishment. And I don't punish other people. I forgive. I do my best. And I keep loving myself. If there's one thing that black men need to do is we need to get serious about loving ourselves so we're not so desperate for the love of others. Right. Coming to Black Men Excel Summit is a big act of self-love, brothers. Y'all need to do it. <laughs> indulge. Indulge yourself. Indulge yourself. It's not self-indulgence. It's self-love. Yes. If we can't give everything we got to give to our families and our children and our parents and our wives and everybody else that, you know, that wants something from us, if we're empty ourselves. Alfred, brother, I have to, to wrap this call up, but I just want to say thank you so very much for taking some time to talk with me on this episode. So much wisdom. I'm so very excited right now. I'm pumped up. Can't wait for the Black Men Excel Summit. Definitely will see you there. And I hope, you know, many of the people listening will go ahead and get registered. And thank you, my brother. It's an honor. It's a pleasure. I know we took a long time to pull this off, but I'll say it was definitely worth the wait. I'm very, you know, I'm a big fan of what you do, man. So it's, it's, it's I'm just glad I'm not in that number of all the amazing people you've had on your show. Thank you so very much. Appreciate that. <laughs> Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'll be posting links to all of today's book recommendations and links mentioned on our show notes page at tdpod.com. If today was your first time listening to the Trailblazers podcast, I just want to extend a warm Trailblazers welcome to you. We're so happy to have you here and we encourage you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Go ahead and browse through some of our past episodes to keep the knowledge flowing. If you're a fan of the podcast and today's content, and you're maybe already subscribed to the podcast, please continue to share and invite your friends, your family, your colleagues to listen to an episode that you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories will be moved to make significant changes that will have generational impact for many others, both now and well into the future. Don't miss next week's episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday by about 5 a.m. Eastern. Trailblazers, jump off this podcast today. Go find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. Cheers.